He has come. The Son of David has come. The Messiah has come. Jerusalem expected a warrior. Jerusalem expected a conqueror. They even expected a king to save them from Rome. To free them from Rome. But God had other plans. My kingdom is not of this world. When Christ came for you, was it that you expected He comes on His terms, not ours. Will you accept who He is this morning? We accept what He's asked of us. He is Hosanna. He is the one who's come to save all mankind. What will you expect when He comes again? Behold, He said, I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus, come. If you would, please turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Luke 19, chapter 28 through 40. This is an important moment in time. This is a time when all of Jerusalem preparing for the Passover and Jesus arrives. If a parade were to come to your town, what would you do? Could you make time for him? Whoever the head usher is this morning, I know, brother, we have a team. Could somebody just turn that air off for me, please? Thank you. Looks like some people are shivering in the building. But as for your pastor, I am 962 degrees up here. Just kick on those fans and make them real nice and breezy for me up here. Was that a word, breezy? Well, I just said it in the pulpit. Okay, so putting aside my, my doctorate degree, I don't have one, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But uh, let's go ahead and read in Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Welcome to New Hope. We are what we are. We, we say what we say. We Whatever all that stuff was that Joel Steen says, and I believe what I believe and all that. But we love the Word of God. And uh, I just want you to know, Luke 19, 28 says this, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to a place, or came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go you into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat, loose him, and bring him hither. If any man ask you, why do you loose him? 
Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why lose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. I love that part. Do you notice capital T and capital L? It wasn't little Lord. It wasn't referencing man. It was saying the Lord has need of him. Go ahead. Take it. They recognized who Jesus was at that time. That's I mean, this is just kind of a pomp and circumstance. Canaan and D.C., whatever it was right before the, the wedding party comes through. And I just love that part. The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. If you would, please, I'd like you to turn over to, to Luke chapter 2. Notice that part where it says, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. As I was studying this, I thought, Wow, isn't it amazing that as he's nearing the end of his life, he was welcomed at the beginning of his life from angels that said in Luke chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, it reads, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying this together with me. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. So we recognize that even at that point, even the angels recognized and said, Glory to God in the highest. Now, if you would please turn over to Luke chapter 23, Luke 23, verses 1 through 3. Luke 23, verses 1 through 3. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a what? A king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Yes, thou sayest it. And then we look over to verse 21. And then we all, we heard all together, the crowd started cheering. People said, here's what we want to happen to him. And they cried saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't that a pondering thought? Isn't it amazing as we look at the new infant in our church and we think of the love and just how precious she is. And the excitement that comes with a newborn. And then as they continue to grow up, we realize they have a sinful nature. Things kind of change. They're not that cuddly little hoochie-coochie. Like we just want to squeeze them, love them. No, we just want to beat them. I mean, I didn't use that word. But that's kind of what happens as we 
have children. But I have to say that as we look at this story, here was Jesus, born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, who would then also be recognized by the same people that he delivered from Egypt, saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. They were praising him. And it was just a few short days later that they were crucifying him. How can that be possible? Because prophecy was fulfilled. Listen closely. There is a legend about an ancient village in Spain. The villagers learned that the king would pay a visit. In a thousand years, a king had never come to that village. And excitement grew. We must throw a big celebration for him. The villagers all agreed. But you see, it was a poor village. And there weren't many resources. Someone came up with a classic idea. Since many of the villagers made their own wines, the idea was for everyone in the village to bring a large cup of their choice wine to the town square. They said, we'll pour it into one large vat and offer it to the king for his pleasure. When the king draws wine to drink, it will be the very best that he's ever tasted. The day before the king's arrival, hundreds of people lined up to make their offering to the honored guest. They climbed a small stairway and poured their gift through a small opening at the top. Finally, the vat was full. The king arrived, was escorted to the square, given a silver cup, and was told to draw some wine, which represented the best the villagers had. He placed the cup under the spigot, turned the handle, and then drank the wine. But you see, it was nothing more than just water. You see, every villager reasoned, I'll withhold my best wine and substitute water. What with so many cups of wine in the vat, the king will never know the difference. Interesting, isn't it? The problem was, everyone thought the same thing and the king was greatly dishonored. Palm Sunday is all about a day when the king of kings was greatly honored. Because the people gave the very best they had. They gave a gift of praise. I know we're in church, but we just have to do this this morning. Now, when I point to you, you're going to take your hands and you're going to put it up like this. Okay? And I know for some of you, this is very difficult. Because when we worship, we stand like this. And if I move a finger, it's going to break. So, we're going to practice what I do with youth over the many years as a youth pastor. And we call it the wave. You guys are excited, aren't you? You're like, we're going to do this actually in church. Yes, this morning is the day we're going to do it. When I point to you, you lift your hands up and then you put them down. And then I'll point. Now, don't do it before I point. And we've got to do it together, okay? Now, this is called praise. In a fashion, even in the Old Testament says they raised holy hands. So we praise the Lord by way. So for some of you, that might be difficult. You might, you know, because of the biceps and triceps and chest muscles that we all have, you might rip your shirt. So just be gentle. Okay? I know that's why it's difficult for you to do this. So, are you ready? Okay, ready? Here we go. That was weak. That was really... We do it together. Like that. See? All right, I'm glad. Okay, are we ready? And I want to see just how strong we're going to be here. Ready? 
Okay, good. Hey, you guys can see the, the, the we don't want to call this the overflow section, but anyhow, this section got it because they learned. That's great. So here's what I'm saying. When we look at praise, I thought, I've got to just do that wave this morning. It's always great that together as a body of Christ, I don't care if it's a church of 50 or like ours, 150, or many that are 1,500. We would be at Winter Jam. We'd be at uh, Youth Evangelism for Christ. No matter where we were at, I would all tell the kids, now, this is starting to get really boring for me. And so now it's time that we get this place going. So we would start in our youth group of about 60 to 75. And then I would tell them, when I point to you, you're going to do the wave. And you know what's amazing? We'd start, and then we'd go down. Then you'd see like three. And before long, we'd have that whole convocation center doing it. And we were all done. I told our youth, let's just praise the Lord. So everybody start clapping. The whole place just started cheering. You know, I think we've come to a place in our life where, you know, they said, and I was raised, you don't clap in church. Because if you clap, you are honoring that person singing or acting or speaking. And you're not praising God. Are you kidding me? I had to say, Lord Jesus, rebuke the devil. I've heard it over too many times. No, I like praising the Lord. I want to wave my hands. I want to shout. And I just want to praise the Lord. Isn't that what we should do? Amen. So here we come to the great story of Palm Sunday. It was a mission of praise. But yet in that sombering moment, I'm sure there were so many that just didn't know how to praise him. They didn't know how to exalt him. They knew that he was coming to save their people, that he was going to die on the cross. But yet it was still difficult to to get out of that comfort zone that they were so accustomed to. You see, this day marks the beginning of the end for Jesus' earthly life. The first day in what was to be his last week. His weekend would take him to a cross on Friday morning into a tomb on Friday night. And all day Saturday, Saturday, then ultimately result in him being raised to life again on the following Sunday morning. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. That's Matthew, Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And I don't have to go through the Gospels to continue to go over this story over and over again. But I just want to draw your attention to the greatest verses here. It's verse 9, and it says... And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Let us pray. Father, we just acknowledge you this morning. And Lord, we are blessed to be in your house. Nothing, no circumstances, no situations, no obstacles stood in the way from us coming to praise you this morning. And so as we journey through this week of suffering, yet a week of victory, as we anticipate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, Father, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge that Jesus came born in a manger, but yet died on a cruel cross. And so this morning, may we understand what praise is about. 
May we understand this mission of praise. Why you came and why we're here. Lord, I pray that you'll help me. Hide me behind the cross. Speak through me this morning. Allow everyone to stay focused. Look into your word. And Father, help us to understand just what you went through on that Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. In your name we pray. Amen. Two points to this morning's message. Jesus' mission and our mission. Jesus' mission was to do what? They said Hosanna, which means to save. Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day on a mission. You see, it was Passover, the greatest of all the Jewish feasts, and people from all over Israel made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday commemorating God's mighty work of freeing the Jews from Egyptian bondage during the days of Moses. Jesus, already having traveled and taught and performed miracles over the past three years, was making what would turn out to be his last trip to this holy city. He knew what would happen there, how he would be treated, how he would die. But you see, he still had a mission. Just a few days earlier, when we look back, it was Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, the word Hosanna literally means to save us. The crowd shouted. I wonder if Jesus thought, that's exactly what I'm here to do. How right you are, but how little you understand. Isn't it amazing, though, when you look at Scripture to think that the nation of Israel was such a blessed people, but yet in their own selfishness and self-centeredness, they lost their focus. Without knowing the details, the crowd was clearly articulating what Jesus came to do. As Jesus rode into town, the people let loose with joyous and inhibited praise. A crowd of people probably from his home region of Galilee, gather and shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By Jesus' time, Hosanna had come, a shout of the Jewish people to praise God in just a household name. Isn't it amazing? How many of you have seen, uh, I don't, I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, God's not dead. And isn't it great, even in that movie, you've got to see it. And I'm going to give a little plug here in just a little bit. But um, I love when they say, God is good. And all the time, well, how about this? Could you imagine me saying, Hosanna? And then you guys would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We've been at events and we, we yell, new hope. And uh, we've done different things because we're just having a good time. But could you imagine right in the middle of Chapel Hill Mall, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'd probably get tackled by the security guards. That would happen, wouldn't it? I mean, it's true. It happens. We don't want people to think we're crazy. We want people to understand who he is, that he came to save his people. But here they were. They were excited. And the text says that the people were throwing things down, laying them down, their cloaks and branches from the fields. By spreading their coats on the road, as well as freshly cut branches, it was their version of rolling out the red carpet. What a scene. There must have been. 
And you see, even the Pharisees told Jesus, you need to rebuke those people. Jesus said, listen, I tell you this. If you keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. You see, God deserves our praise. And if people won't do it, His creation will continue to cry out. Listen closely. Majestic mountains, mighty oceans, the expansive stars of the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the hills, and yes, even rocks scream forth the praises of the Creator, the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one who also happened to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey to face a cruel death at the hands of sinful men. Our God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, and He's omnipresent. Isn't it awesome to serve a God like that? Here's the key question. What are you doing? And what are you laying down before Him? Right where you're at. I've never done this if you trust me. Close your eyes and just imagine something. I want you to imagine your street. The street in which you live. Picture in your mind what the street looks like. Where you live. What the trees are. Where the other houses or apartments are. And where people park their cars. The general amount of traffic that is typically on your street. And then imagine yourself standing outside next to your street. Very close to where you live. You got that picture? Now, I want you to imagine that coming down your street, you spot a crowd of people. And in the middle of that crowd of people is a man riding on a donkey. You recognize the man as Jesus. People are laying things down. Some of your neighbors are rushing to the curb to lay things down as well. Jesus approaches where you are standing. And he's riding closer. As he passes by, what is it that you're going to lay down for him. And here's the key question this morning. If Jesus came riding down your street, what would you lay down for him? What a pondering thought. And as you look this way, we see in the parable in John chapter 10, it says this, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He came so that you might have life and an overflowing life. What would you give him in return this Easter? Point two. Our mission would be to do what? We would give him our praise. To praise Jesus is essentially to give him what? A compliment. It can be publicly or it can be privately. It can be done in varieties of ways. Spoken words, printed words, words that are sung in a song, can be painted, signed with hands, or even performed through drama or dance. Just about any mode of communication is an avenue for praise. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, this is what we are called to do. The Bible says that you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you should show the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And part of our mission, if we're followers of Jesus, is to do what? Is to praise him. Praise means to pay, pay Jesus a compliment. Put a good word in for him. Say good things about him and what he's done. Tell him thank you for something he's done. How about this? Make a joyful noise. That helps. So again, we need to ask ourselves the key question. If Jesus came riding down your street, what would you lay down before him? What kind of things inhibit our praise? What kinds of things stop us from praising? I only have three small points, and then we'll close this morning. You know, every year as I, as I look at uh, the story of Jesus coming in, and what a wonderful entrance. And as I've studied and, and I looked at every avenue, direction, position, where I would be standing, what would be taking place, one of the thoughts that comes to my mind is, we do not want to admit it. But some of us are hindered because of our pride in order to praise him. I wonder if sometimes we might overlook pride as it relates to praise by referring to it as temperament. We might say, well, by nature, I'm just not a very expressive person. My temperament doesn't lend itself to the kind of praise that took place on that first Palm Sunday. You see, Pastor, I'm dignified and I'm just too reserved to do such a thing. I didn't ask you to come up here and roll around. I didn't ask you to, to, to grab a chair and go screaming through the... Everything needs to be done in decency and order, okay? But what I am saying is, I think some of us have misunderstood really what it is. You see, when we put aside grace, then humility starts to creep up in our life. When we put aside pride, sorry, and then the grace of God comes in. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the... 1 Peter 5, 5, and it says, Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So in what way have you been praising him? In what way do you acknowledge him? And if that parade came down your street, in what way would you get out of your recliner in front of your TV to go outside to see what's going on? You know what I find interesting? We will look outside and go, oh, wow, check out what's going on. There's a cop. Wow, ooh, there's several cops. Pause that station. There's something going down out there. Yesterday, we're, I'm outside, and Pastor Chris and I were standing on the sidewalk, and, and I appreciated this lady, and I was telling him, I said, oh, how fitting that this goes right with the message. You know what she says to me? <clears throat> Excuse me, sir, could you come here? Me or him? No. So I walked out, and I'm like, yes, ma'am, what can I do for you? She's like, I'm a believer. And I loved what Pastor Chris said. Do you love when people start out with, I'm a believer? Because you know about right then they're going to grab that bat and hit you with it. I, I don't know why people, they, hi, I'm a believer, so that gives me, you know, personal uh, profession to just to say how I feel about you and this church in the neighborhood. I don't think so. So as I was compassionately understanding this lady, she says, you know, you probably shouldn't park up and down the streets. 
I, I was like looking at her. So then I knelt down real slow because I thought I better get comfortable for this one. First of all, if you're a believer, can we just pack the streets out? Hello! Hi! What kind of believer are you? As she proceeds to go into her dissertation on where her church is at and how it's growing and how they got a great big parking lot. That's wonderful. But I'm sure some of you parked on streets. Nobody got hurt. And I just want to say, I I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you know what? I just appreciate your concern for our safety. But we're parking everywhere. I, we've run out. We've no have no more grass outside. I cannot do anything. I'm stuck. We have road or we have grass. Grass is gone or we have a cliff. We don't do cliff. We not go home. So I said to her, I, I kind of scratched my head and I'm like, okay, okay. I turn around and walk back up to Chris and I'm like, that was kind of bizarre. I understand people's safety, but isn't it amazing that we will notice I mean, if there's an accident out here, all of our, if we saw lights flashing over there, you all would be so distracted, you couldn't even pay attention to me this morning. You'd be looking out the window. And so what ends up happening is Jesus is coming into town. What are people doing? They're taking off their coats and they're laying them down to honor who he is. They've humbled themselves. Why is it that we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Because we have pride. Excuse me, sir. Could you please move the cars off the road? I will do the best I can. And uh, Brother Todd said it best. Let's add up how many weeks or how many hours are in a week and how often we park in the street out there. And, you know, it's, it's just funny to me. And the reason why I say that is it is funny. It's kind of comical because I can understand somebody that's not a believer Coming up and saying, um, you know, for the safety of everybody, because, you know, you're going to cause some problems. And I don't want anybody hurt. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But do I want people to stop by here because they see people parked on the grass and up and down the streets? Uh Uh-huh. Because guess what? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if I don't let people know that and I don't exhibit it in this church, then we're dead. He's still in the tomb. He's not alive. So we have to be alive for him. So let me ask you a question. What is it that you're laying down for him? Pride, it's amazing. Where are you praising him if you're not doing it here? But if we don't at least attempt to praise Jesus in church, are the odds very likely that we're doing it consistently somewhere else? You may see a hand raised, you may witness a head bowed and closed eyes, a knee bent to kneel, your hands folded in prayer. Either way, we praise God because he's the center of our praise and our focus. Can I just say this? This is what happens when I'm gone for a couple weeks. I'm just saying, I can keep going. But I just want you to know, every time I get to, to praise God and think about just worshiping him, And coming to church, if you're not a believer, then you don't understand that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, you know, you need to come. We have an altar call. This altar call will always be here as long as I'm in this church. Because this is a place where lives have been changed. People have been saved. 
because of a message from the gospel. Who can tell me they remember the old song, Let's Just Praise the Lord? I love that song. Go ahead, Luke. Let's sing it together. Just a small little chorus, but let's sing it together as we praise him before I conclude and go to my next thought. Let's just praise the Lord. Great song by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Can you turn it up some, please? Just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just live our hearts forget and praise the Lord. Let's just Praise the Lord. You know, we don't wake up in the morning and go, let's just start praising the Lord by song. We don't sit in our offices at work and just start praising the Lord. Let me say this quickly before I get my last two points. Fear. Perhaps fear at times stands in your way of praise. One, we have pride. Two, we have fear. The classic example I think of when someone had opportunity to put in a good word for Jesus was who? He was just too scared to do so, and that was Peter. You know, after Jesus had been arrested, Peter sort of lurked behind the shadows to see how things would turn out. Even someone said to him, weren't you with the Nazarene Jesus, weren't you? What a perfect opportunity for Peter to say, I sure was, and let me tell you about him. I saw him heal a deaf man, cause a blind man to see, and even make the cripple to walk. One time I saw him stand up in a boat during a storm, and when he yelled at the wind, the storm stopped. I even saw him walk on water. I've even seen him bring people back to life. Just this past week, he did that again for a guy named Lazarus. Jesus is innocent. He is the Son of God. Yes, I followed him, and I proudly call him my Lord. Hmm. But of course, Peter didn't say that, did he? He said, I don't know what you're talking about. Him? I don't know him. And it was just within a few moments he denied knowing Jesus even two more times. He could have praised, but he was afraid. You see, sometimes it's scary to praise Jesus. We don't know what people might think of us if we really let loose with genuine Palm Sunday praise. But if Jesus came riding down your street, and if it's fear that stands in your way of praise... Would you be willing to lay that down for him? Think that through. Number three, doubt. It could be that doubt hinders your ability to praise Jesus. Maybe some of you have a similar feeling when you are surrounded by people who are praising Jesus. You may think, 
I know a lot of others are really into this. I'm just not sure if I should be applauding. I have some serious questions that need to get answered before I can actually praise. It's tough to praise when you have doubts. This past movie, this past week, we were at the movie watching God's Not Dead. And for some of you, you know, it's very hard for me to contain my excitement. So as the movie's going on, I just wanted to clap. Matter of fact, I was actually sitting there, and at one moment, I'm like crying. And I just wanted to say, glory! Yes! Yeah! I just wanted to get excited. I was like, God's not dead. He's alive. I better turn this way. And some of us Christians are sitting there. We're sleeping. Why is it there's always doubt, there's always fear, what somebody's going to think? Oh, my. And, and I will tell you, I have, even in my life, I mean, I, I've seen pride. Do you think pride, the reason why I get nervous, I preach, but I get real nervous, feel like I want to throw up up here when I'm singing. So, what is that? It's pride thinking I'm going to mess up. Okay, I admitted it. And so, I have to stop and say, God, help me to be, help me that you're my focus through this whole song. And that's why I love, I love praising the Lord. I love acknowledging God. I don't really want people to think that we as Christians have lost our minds. But not everything has to be so conservative and reserved. The only thing you all have a problem, I mean, if we clap like this, do not clap on the offbeat, okay, New Hope Christian family? You make me a little nervous when you do that, okay? Just sing. If Jesus came riding down your street, and if it's doubt that's standing in the way of your ability to praise, would you at least be willing to consider laying it down? If you're willing, I'm certain he'll help you with those doubts. It could even be possessions, maybe sin in your life, maybe sadness, burdens, some worries stand in your way of praise. Whatever it is, would you be willing to lay it down? You see, you are probably here today because you know that where he is going is better than where you are right now. That what he is offering is better than what you have right now. And what he is asking is better than the agenda you have set for yourself. That's why Palm Sunday means something to me. So praise. If you'd please hit that air, I would greatly appreciate it. So praise. Where do we praise? At church. We can sing. I'll even let you clap. We can raise our hands. You can even close your eyes. You can bow your heads. But don't confuse temperament with pride. What about if you were to do it with a friend or maybe even a co-worker? Sing. Clap. Instead of saying some things like this, well, boy, that really worked out well for you, didn't it? You could say it like this. God sure took care of that one for you, didn't he? His grace is all sufficient. They need that encouragement. Exalt the name of our Lord. How about at home? Whisper a love song to Jesus as a time of prayer. Sing it at the top of your lungs. And then begin your day with prayer and with praise. Jesus taught us even in his word. And he said, listen, disciples, I want you to pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven... 
hallowed be thy name. How holy his name is. Psalms 150 says this as I conclude. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you know in the word where it says praise the Lord, the Hebrew word is actually hallelujah. So praise him. It says so. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And if things that have breath ever stop their praises, he even says in his word that the rocks will cry out. Because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is worthy of being praised. So as I close with this thought, when I consider the story of that first Palm Sunday, I'm struck by the thought that a coat might not be worth much after a donkey walks on it. In a crowd like that, there was no guarantee that once you laid it down, you were ever going to get it back. For some reason, the text leads me to believe those people probably weren't real interested in coats at that moment when Jesus rode by. No, these people, many of them probably very poor, weren't as concerned about coats as they were about praise. And finally, for the people on Palm Sunday, praising Jesus might have to cost you something. And you know what that sounds like? A little bit of sacrifice. The Bible speaks of a sacrifice of praise. Fitting, isn't it? For someone who saved our lives by sacrificing his own. In his word, there's two times in the Bible where it says Jesus wept. It was in this text as he stopped in the midst of the crowd. It says that he wept. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. And as we leave today and we go into this Holy Week, can I just ask you an important question? What will you lay down for him? Because he laid down his life for you. What will you sacrifice for him? I sat in my office at about 12.30 a.m. this morning. And as I saw that part where it said, he stopped the crowd. It became silent. And he started weeping. Right then within my spirit, I just closed my eyes. And I said, thank you loving a sinful man like me. That he wept over us. What a pondering thought. This Easter, let's make it real. If I were to ask you an important question like, what would you lay down for him? What is it? Or is this just another church service for you? Are you really going to make it real? Are you going to start today rededicating your life back to living a holy life for Him? 
It's not easy. It's not easy. And I never said it was. But let's put aside our pride, our doubt, and our fear. And let's step out and let God start to do work in our life and in this church. As we all stand, right where you stand, you, we have two hands. Before we go into this time of reflection invitation as the praise team comes, I want you to do this with me. Just start praising the Lord. Isn't it awesome just to say we can clap and praise the one who loved us so much and died for us, even wept over us. This morning as we go into this time of reflection and this invitation, can I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you accepted Him as Messiah? I could have gone through 15 other Scripture verses for lack of time. I didn't. But they recognized that He was the Messiah. Still question how sad that it was just a few short days that they put Him on a cross and said, Crucify Him. This morning... Maybe you need Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to turn yourself around. Say, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. As we sing Jesus, Messiah, in the quietness and reverence and the praise of this room, I just want you to think about Him and what He has done for you. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you that in the midst of the busyness of the season. Lord, help us to bow our head in reverence and in praise and in thanksgiving for what You've done for us. Lord, as I always think of this triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it's always just a pondering thought to think that People ran around. There was a parade going on. And yet you were the focus. And Lord, we should have a parade every day of our life. God, forgive me for being so self-centered that I haven't made time for you. Lord, forgive us that, that we are so preoccupied by all the adversity in our life through rather it be spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, whatever it is. Lord, we've just said, eh, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to make you a part of our life. Why is it that that happens? So God, this morning, we just pray for those that are here. Lord, help us to praise you and to acknowledge just what you've done on Calvary for us. Lord, deliver us, heal us, perform miracles in our life. Lord, we need you. You are Messiah. Lord, we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you for saving us. In your name we pray. Amen.